Good evening, church. My name is Pramila. Today our Bible reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22-32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22-32. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is, only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of God. Good evening, church. It is a joy to be together, isn't it? Um, we are going back to our series, which we've titled You Belong. What a series this has been. Um, it's been one that's close to my heart. As I speak to you now, I'm going to set my time. Uh, the Holy Spirit has a lot to say, um, but we have 20 minutes. Uh, and if you give me more, I will be here till 12 o'clock. Amen. So we have a time. Amen. Um, so we've been working our way through a series in uh, the book of Ephesians, one of my most favorite book, uh, one of my most favorite um, concepts, the idea of belonging, the idea that you and I live out of that, um, out of that uh, need for, for belonging, uh, the thing that directs uh, our, the course of our lives is whether we feel belonging um, or not. And at the heart of Paul's message to the Ephesians is that the Father loves us. The Father loves us before we do anything. Uh, and the Father's love encourages us and pushes us uh, to loving other people. A uh, couple of weeks ago, we looked at chapter 4 of Ephesians, uh, and we ran through verse 17 to 32, which describes two kinds of lives. One is a life outside of a relationship with God. Uh, so somebody who's not a believer, perhaps that's you t- tonight, uh, and somebody who is a believer. And it contrasts those two, uh, uh, two different lives. I thought we should go back to it uh, because there was so much there uh, that we might miss uh, as we, uh, as we uh, just um, rush through uh, the, that section. There's so much more. Uh, to it. So we kind of got the top view. So you know when you're flying into Jobek, you get the top view of Jobek. 
uh, but it's another thing to walk the streets of Jobek, uh, and that's what we're doing uh, this evening. We're walking small street, and if you've been to small street, it is unlike the picture from above, isn't it? Um, it's one thing to tell you that this is how you ought to live the Christian life, uh, and our topic this evening is stop lying, um, don't lie. That, that's one thing to look at it from uh, from the top. It's another to live it on the streets. Uh, it is another uh, thing to just be faced to with real life, uh, real life um, situations where we'll find ourselves lying. So that's what we are trying to do for the next four weeks. We're pausing, looking at specific things, specific things from that section uh, from uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty to thirty-two. We're looking at specific things that Paul calls the Christians uh, to. Now that you belong. Because of the Father, this is how you ought to live, um, according to chapter 4. So let me pray for us as we start off our evening looking at living truthfully. Father, we are so thankful uh, that we belong to you. We are so thankful that we didn't have to do anything to gain this belonging, that it is something that we don't achieve, but it's something that we receive from you. I pray, Lord, that as we look into uh, this uh, topic of uh, truthful living, that you would um, illumine your word to us and that you would help us and motivate us for this week uh, to live lives uh, that glorify you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. So our key verse for this evening is verse 25, and I hope that you will keep your Bible open. Uh, we do believe in the power of God spe- uh, that he speaks through his word. Have a look at verse 25 with me. Uh, Paul has said all that he has to say to Christians about uh, the fact that they belong. He says, therefore, having described the Christian life, having described uh, the life that they used to live before they met Jesus, he says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members of one another. So there's a negative thing that they ought to do and a positive thing that they ought to do. Uh, he's speaking to the Ephesians, but he's also referring to us here this evening. So negative, a positive, and a motivation. Uh, so something that we are to stop doing, uh, something we are to do, and the motivation behind that. So we're going to look at that verse later on under those three headings. Negative, positive, and a motivation. And the reason why we do that is um, quite key to our understanding of who God is, our understanding of human behavior, our understanding of Christian behavior. Uh, and this thing I learned from a preacher by the name of uh, Tim Keller, uh, quite a, a thinker of our generation. Also, Paul Tripp picks this up quite a lot. If you ever want any good Christian material, Google Paul Tripp or Tim Keller. They have amazing stuff on human behavior. And what, what Tim Keller basically emphasizes is that it's one thing to talk about behavior. Uh, it's another to look into the heart of behavior. Uh, so at the heart of human behavior, there's always something behind why we do the things that we do. Uh, there's always something, if God calls us in the 10th commandment, we all know it. Even if you're not a Christian, you know that it's wrong to lie. 
But the question is, why do we do it? Why do we lie? Why do we lie so much? Um, we lie to save face. We lie to protect our reputation. Uh, we lie our way into life uh, just so as to uh, to save face with people. Tim Keller says you ought to be looking at the heart of human behavior. And every time you do that, there's always the opposite of that. There's always uh, something that the gospel is calling you to, a motivation for you to change that behavior. If you just walk out and say, yeah, no, this week, I'm going to try hard. Try it this, <laughs> this week. Try to just not lie. It is difficult to pull through, to pull it um, um, in your own strength. But once you are motivated by the gospel, the gospel deals with the root cause of your behavior. Uh, so that's why we want to look at, uh, look at uh, the motivation in, in verse, uh, verse 25. Um, a 2020 Forbes magazine article says this is the reason why people lie. Uh, and it's, it gets to the heart of our behavior. Why do we lie? We lie to save face, to avoid hurting people's feelings, to impress others, to shirk responsibility, to hide misdeeds as a social lubricant, to prevent conflict, to get out of work, how many of us have done that? You don't have to raise your hand. You've never done that. And many more other reasons. I still remember when I was in varsity going to a doctor, complaining about a headache that was plaguing me, uh, but that headache was not a physical one. It was a test that was coming uh, the following day. So I lied because I had to protect uh, myself and get that script. Um, can I just say I repent? Uh, I stopped lying since that time. That's not true. Uh, that's not true. We continue to lie. I think that doctor, uh, soon enough, was found out. UJ figured that there were many scripts that were coming from this doctor, uh, and they all came around exam season. I know the students at Focus this evening will never do something like that uh, and lie about a sickness uh, that is not there. Um, we lie, isn't it? And behind every lie, there's a motivation. Another article, uh, a Canadian article on uh, behavior, says uh, we sometimes lie for uh, reasons to protect other people's feelings. It mentions seven reasons why people lie. Uh, so to protect other people's feelings. Uh, the second one is out of secrecy. Uh, when you don't want people up in your business, uh, this is such a... A human thing to do, uh, but I think it's more pronounced in the suburbs. Uh, in the village, uh, in the township, your business is out there. If you're fighting with your wife, the neighbors are going to hear. Uh, in the burbs, we fight like this, right? I told you not to uh, do that. We're more discreet, uh, and we don't want to put out um, our business out there. And sometimes we lie our way to protect our reputation. We keep secrets. Uh, even in close relationships, so that we can just protect our, uh, our secrets, so that people don't know our business. Number three, to preserve their image, to save face. Uh, number four, to avoid punishment or retaliation. That's what we do, isn't it? Uh, that's what children do. Uh, in fact, they, uh, if you read any of the children uh, material, they say that you shouldn't shame children uh, to confessing. You must... Uh, Provide a safe space to them and say, you are not going to be punished. You can tell me the truth. 
Um, and they will tell you, you'll see that once you say that, they tell you the truth. It is a way of teaching honesty uh, to children. Uh, but don't do the thing of bait and switching uh, because they're not going to trust you. Uh, so that's what we do as a child. You do that. But as we grow older, we never outgrow this sort of behavior of avoiding punishment uh, by lying. Number five is out of compulsion or carelessness. Uh, and it says that people who normally lie for this reasons, reason usually hold a belief that they are unlovable, unworthy in their imperfection, and thus try to manage their image and ultimately feelings of vulnerability through lying. Uh, so it is this deep sense of if, I, if they knew who I am, if I confess the real me, what will they think about me? Uh, I'm such an unlovable person. And if people knew who I really am and I were to expose the, uh, the true me to them, uh, they will love me even less. Uh, number six, uh, they uh, mention pleasure. I don't know how that works. Uh, people lie for pleasure. Some people find uh, pleasure in doing so, in manipulating uh, other people. Again, those are sometimes psychological disorders that stem from uh, childhood and how uh, people uh, relate to one another um, or how they are related to their parents. Number seven, uh, to get something out of it. Uh, so there are many reasons we lie. Uh, there are many reasons you lie. There are many, many reasons I lie. But I think I want to propose that the, the biggest reason, I think, why we lie is what I would call it falls under the category of shame and honor. And I think a lot of those reasons fall under this category of shame and honor. Uh, shame and honor, uh, we lie to avoid shame and to gain honor. Uh, very often we, we do that. Uh, we lie because we want to uh, save face, to gain honor and to be elevated by others. We lie about other people, and we're going to see this in a couple of weeks' time. Why do we spread lies about other people? Why is it so juicy to talk about so-and-so's failure? Uh, we lie because we trample on them so that we would have greater honor. Okay, so if I compare myself to that guy and his mess, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm more acceptable and I'm better than that uh, person. So that is honor and shame. Shame of feeling like I don't, I'm not worthy and therefore, I'm going to trample on somebody for them to make me worthy. That is honor and shame. And we're going to see that honor and shame is also the world in which the Bible was written. Honor and shame is, again, one way of speaking about the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. We're going to see that the motivation behind us not lying is based on honor and shame. If we grasp that... Uh, we will step deeper into being truthful people. Uh, to put it in other ways, and this is the summary of our sermon this evening, the more you value other people's opinion of you instead of God's opinion, the more you'll use words as currency to buy face with those people. Let me say that again. The more you value people's opinion of you instead of God's opinion, the more you will use words as currency to buy face with them. Uh, when we don't 
agree with what God has called us to, when we don't believe what he says about us, and we believe other people's opinion about us, uh, the more likely it is that we'll use words uh, to buy face, and very often that leads to lying, doesn't it? Uh, and the inverse of that is true, that the more I value God's opinion of me instead of people's opinion, the more I will use words as a commodity for deeper belonging. Okay, so I, I, I trust that I belong to Christ and all that he has done for me is true, the more I will be truthful. Okay, so that is the honor and shame uh, paradigm. I'm going to now get into our test, text this evening. We're going to pick it up from verse 17 uh, because that's the context of what Paul, uh, where Paul brings this topic of lying. Uh, the context is this idea that you now belong. You, God has made you something new and you ought to let go of your old life and to live your new life. Have a look at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. The Gentiles were those who were outside of the dominion of God. The Gentiles were those who were out there rejected. And Paul says that that is who we were before our relationship uh, with Jesus. Uh, how did they used to live in the futility of their minds? And he goes on to, say, to describe the mindset uh, that someone who doesn't belong has. Uh, the mindset that we, you and I have outside of a relationship uh, with Christ. Look at it in verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding. Again, human behavior flows from uh, the deep um, hearts that we have. It flows from our minds into our lives. So it's not enough for me to just say, stop lying. One, because you know it. Uh, secondly, you're going to continue doing it. We do. Because there's a heart behind why we lie. Paul wants us to remember that heart, that we come from an old life, a life that was darkened. Um, they are darkened, the Gentiles, in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Again, they don't belong. To be alienated means you are shame. It's part of shame, shame and being rejected by God. Alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance, again, a mindset of ignorance, of not knowing God that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Here, our hearts outside of a relationship uh, with God are hard. Our hearts are unresponsive to the commandments of God. Our hearts are hard to the commandment, do not lie, outside of a relationship with God. I like that picture that Martin used of uh, calluses. That if you walk too long with tight shoes, uh, the older you grow up, the more your skin dies and it becomes unresponsive. Have you ever seen that? You don't have to confess if you have cons. <laughs> but, but it is dead, it is dead skin that is unresponsive. Meaning that you can put something hot there and the likelihood of you feeling it will, will not be there. That is a life outside of a relationship with God. That God calls you to a life of not lying, but you could, you just saw dead in you to be able to respond to that. That is who you were. If you are a Christian, that's who you were. They have become callous 
and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, he brings the contrast of who we are. But that is not the way you land Christ. Again, he employs language that uh, takes us back to our mindset. Verse 21, assuming that you've heard about Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So Christian behavior, for you to start living as a Christian, you need a transformation of the mind. Uh, You and I need to be transformed uh, to become who God has made us to be. You are not that guy anymore with a callous heart. You are somebody who's been transformed by Jesus. But the reality is that you still find yourself, we still find ourselves trying to live like the old man. You are not that guy anymore, Paul says. Someone say, you are not that guy anymore. That is not the way you land in Christ. Um, you are learned a new way to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. It requires a mind renewal, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. You're not that guy anymore. You're to live a new way. What is this new way? You're to become who you are, up to be holy and righteous, just like your father is. Now, throughout Ephesians, Paul has been reminding us that God is our father, and we ought to behave like this father. And he uses a picture of putting off clothes and putting on new clothes. So that is the Christian life. We're putting off the old self, and we're putting on the new way of life. What does that mean? That's a, 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 such a, 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 an unusual way of speaking about behavior. What does putting off and putting on mean? Well, we all are wearing clothes this evening. Um, uh, let me just say that there are two types of people in this world. There is the David kind of people and the black newborn kind of people when it comes to putting on stuff, okay? Um, if you look at black newborn, uh, if he went to a parents' meeting, <laughs> they'll be like, yeah, who's that cool dad? Uh, if you looked at me, I think uh, you can see, I-, I gave up on being cool a long time ago. He doesn't try to be cool, he just is, okay? Um, <laughs> but you can see that there's intentionality in the way that he's dressed. He took time to think about how he's dressed. I think all of us take time to think about how we dress, isn't it? Uh, for many of us, for some of us, it's just you look at the weather, uh, you look at your wardrobe, and <laughs> what will make sense, and then you, you step out. For him, it's like, no, it has to match uh, symmetry and all of that. But there's intentionality in how we dress, isn't it? And Paul says there should be intentionality in how you live as a Christian. Uh, there should be an intentional way uh, as you step out of your house uh, to put on this new self uh, and to say that this is who I am now. I belong to God, therefore I should behave in a way 
uh, that shows that I belong to God. In other words, you ought to put on behavior. You ought to intentionally uh, put on uh, new behavior. This is something that you intentionally do, and this is something that you intentionally make part of who you are. Okay, so this is uh, part of who you are now. Uh, this is, should be part of uh, who you are. Uh, and there's a reason why Paul does that, uh, because you cannot, you cannot just stop lying. You cannot just stop lying. There has to be a motivation uh, for that. Have a look at verse 25. This is what it looks like now. He goes on to mention a couple of things, but we're just going to pause in verse 25 this evening because it addresses one specific issue, which is lying, falsehood. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Firstly, the negative is because we are who we are, we ought to put on intentionally make truth part of who we are. Because you are somebody who now belongs to God, the God of truth, you ought to embody truth in your own life in the same way that you're not going to step out without loads uh, out of your house. You ought to make truth part of who you are. Put it on and put off lying, which is the negative that we're going to see in a minute. Having put away falsehood, put away falsehood from you. That is the negative side of things. Uh, one lawyer said, honesty is, not, is, more, is more than not lying. It is telling the truth. It is truth speaking, truth living, and truth loving. So because you are who you are, you ought to be putting away a falsehood. You ought to stop uh, embodying your old life of lying. The positive, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Paul goes again to talk about behavior that, um, that embodies, behavior that motivates unity. Think about lying for a minute. What does it do to the fabric of society? Lying destroys society, doesn't it? There's a story of a, a king who, um, I think it was a Tswana king, who made a feast for his people, and he slaughtered many cattle, uh, but he, made some, he did something weird. He took the tongue from all of the cattle and made a tongue stew for his people, and then he fed them the tongue. And once they had uh, eaten, I think it was probably starters. We don't have starters in the Tuana culture, but here we go. Um, once they had eaten, he got up to, to speak to uh, the people in a loud voice because they didn't have mics and said, my people, the tongue has created so many problems. Uh, the tongue has destroyed nations. Uh, the tongue has destroyed families. Um, but the thing with the tongue is that it doesn't only destroy, it can build societies. Uh, when we use words uh, as a commodity for unity, we are more drawn towards telling the truth because we know that truth is the thing that brings together communities. Don't you hate people who lie? 
Don't you hate people who lie? Or you might be thinking, wow, that's me. (laughs) Why do we do that? Because it goes against relationship. Lies can destroy relationships. How many relationships have ended because of lies? Lies work against true belonging. And so Paul says uh, this word from God, that we ought to, as a new people who belong, in chapter 4, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling which you have received with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, behave as if you belong because you do truly belong, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, He says we ought to behave in a way that promotes unity. And part of that means uh, embodying the truth uh, and showing up as people who not only, and we're going to see in a couple of weeks, okay, so we can lie about ourselves. And I think tonight we're primarily speaking about lie that concern us, um, but we can lie about others. Uh, Either way, however we do it, lying destroys the fabric of human society. We've lived it. Um, We hate it when other people do it. Uh, Paul says, therefore embody uh, this new way of life. Promote unity by using words as a commodity towards that end. This is how you ought to live. I was talking to um, a couple of people about this game we used to play when we were kids. We called it Pudia Sutra. The goat is about to escape. Okay, so here's what happens in the game. Is that we're all in a circle and we hold hands uh, like a chain. And what we do, there's this person in the middle who represents the goat. Um, and the person's job is to try and find the weakest link and escape the chain and escape and break the chain and basically get out. Um, so and then we shout, Hi, it will never escape, uh, and we hold tightly uh, to one another. But here's the thing about the person in the middle. They know that if I go to that link, if I go once, twice, and it is strong enough, they don't go again there. What do they do? They're going to find another weak link uh, and go there to escape. The aim of the goat is to escape. Uh, our aim is to hold on to that chain. Uh, and I think the reality of lying is like that. Lying is a thing that finds the weakest chain within any church community. Particularly, I think Paul is speaking to Christians. It will find the weakest link among us to try to break the chain. Uh, we ought to stand firm. Uh, we ought to stand firm in embodying truth and not letting this gold escape. Amen. Uh, that is the Christian life, uh, that we ought to be so united that we want to embrace the truth, so united that I can stand with my brothers and sisters and be truthful to them about my own life. When they ask me about my life, I don't dark and dive and uh, basically live a secretive life. How many of us do that? Uh, how many of us do that because we find ourselves thinking, if they knew the things that happen uh, while I'm at res alone. If they knew the things that happen in my flat when I'm all alone, they would not uh, like me. 
we ought to be promoting unity by not letting lies break the chain of unity. Because the more you do that, the more you are detrimental to yourself, the more you rob yourself from experiencing intimate community because you're just bringing a sanitized version of yourself. Uh, The more you do that about others, the more you lie about others, the more you break the chain of unity because you're tainting their reputation and you are breaking this unity uh, that that we have. That is not who you are. Uh, You have been transformed by God, and the more you value that transformation, the more you will be motivated to live this Christian life. Have a look at verse, the the last section of that verse. So we looked at the negative, which is putting away falsehood. We looked at the positive, which is speaking the truth with one another. By the way, you can promote falsehood by keeping quiet. <laughs> it's not just telling lies. It's sometimes not telling the truth uh, that is not promoting um, truthful speaking. But notice, and I think this is the key for us. This is the key for every human behavior. This is the key if you want to understand the Christ- Christian faith and you want to have the power to actually embody truth. How do I step into a community and become truthful. This is Paul's motivation. The last section of verse 25, he says, For we are members of one another. The key motivation for us to live a truthful life is because we are a chain. We are a community. And because we are a community, your lie, my lie, destroys that, uh, that community. Somebody, one author said this about, about lying. He says, a lie, according to Paul, is a step into the very vitals of the body of Christ. In other words, if I lie, it's as if you take a Rambo knife, you know those ones that they sell at Chinatown, and you stab yourself on, an, uh, on the thigh. Can you imagine doing that? Um, or you stab yourself in your vital organ, your heart. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And and basically Paul reminds us that because we belong to this community uh, called the church, we don't want to, because we are members of one another, we are more freed to not do that. Uh, And we are freed to live truthful lives uh, because if we do the opposite, it destroys uh, the community. Uh, The more we value God's opinion of us instead of people's opinion, the more we will use word as a commodity for this deeper belonging. Uh, If we understand that we belong to God, uh, if we understand that he has taken our shame away from us, if we understand that he has lifted us up in honor, who do you need to impress if the God of the universe is impressed when he looks at you? Who do you need to impress if the God of the universe took upon himself the shame and the guilt of your life? Who do you need to impress? Well, nobody. I just came up with um, this, and it's a graph that describes honor and shame. And as you listen to it, uh, listen to um, the work of Christ in it. Okay, so Christ 
took away our shame and bestowed on us. That is the only way you and I can step out and be truthful. When you step deeper into that reality, uh, the more and more you'll be able to, um, to be truthful. If you understand this, that this is what Christ has done, uh, he was reviled, he was accursed, he was naked, he was humiliated, cut off, dark, death. Those are words that describe shame, crushed, suffered, despised, smitten, desolate, persecuted, imprisoned, stranger to God, slave. He became an outsider so that you would become somebody who belongs to God. That is who he became. You and I deserved all of those things. We deserved humiliation. Uh, but notice what God has done. He's given us honor. In Ephesians, um, some of the words that come up to describe honor are high, that you reign with Christ on high, you are exalted, you are worthy, you are approved by God, you are raised, you are blessed, you are seated at the right hand, you belong to his family, you are a son, you are a child, you are adopted, you, God is pleased with you, you are an heir, you are chosen, you are elect, you are sanctified, you are righteous. That is who you are in God. And the more you step deeper into that, the more likely you are to be truthful uh, because you don't want to save face anymore. Uh, you don't want to use words to hustle for belonging because you know that in Christ you belong. Christ took away your shame and your humiliation. I often describe vulnerability and stepping out uh, and telling uh, who you are as being naked. I know that's a vivid image, uh, but being naked before others. Uh, and being naked, here's the thing, we are afraid of being naked because if you are naked is, what if they laugh at me? What if I tell them who I really am and they laugh at me? What if I tell them the truth and they laugh at me? So what if they laugh at you? Because God has called you blessed. God has called you a son. God has called you sanctified, holy. That's who you are. And the more you think of God's opinion of you, the more you embrace that opinion, the easier it will be to step into this week and be more truthful. Say, God, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be truthful, to be honest. Uh, but you have accepted me. I belong to you. Therefore, I can step into Christian community and be someone who embraces truth. Uh, I can step and confide in a brother about struggles I have. I can confess just about anything and come naked before a Christian community. I don't have to impress anybody because God is already impressed with me because of what Christ has done. The more we embrace that opinion of God uh, of us, the more we'll step into deeper belonging. Now let's go into this week remembering the negative of putting away the old form of life, the positive, embracing the new, the motivation. We belong to God's family. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much that as we read your word, we see many instances uh, of you calling us to yourself. We see many instances of Christ having done all the work. Um, Lord, we remember our former state. We remember that uh, outside of a relationship with you, 
Uh, we were dead, Lord. We were unresponsive to you. We were alienated from you. We remember the work on the cross, that because of what Jesus has done, uh, we can be embraced, forgiven, and brought into a family. And because we belong to this family, I pray, Lord, that you make us more and more people who tell the, the truth, make us people who embrace truth as part of our everyday lives. In the same way that we put on clothes, I pray that we'll put on uh, truthfulness as we step out into this week and aim to live lives that are different from the culture around us. Unless you do that work in us, uh, we will always try to hustle for this belonging. So please remind us of how deeply and truly we belong to you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.